0: that no official delegation of African Americans had ever been invited to the White House in the history of this country. In fact, as far as you go back in history, there's only one known example of any African American who was not employed or enslaved at the White House visiting. So Lincoln called in these three black leaders, ministers, journalists, and there's an AP reporter standing next to him. So this is all planned by Lincoln. And he said to them, if it wasn't for you, we wouldn't have a civil war. And go even where people are most friendly to you, and no one will ever judge you as equal. So you should leave the country. Go back to your churches and to your town meeting, and think about this. I have a plan. I have congressional funding to establish colonies in Central America. In the Dominican Republic, in Haiti, go where the ban is not upon you, he said. And they left much more politely than I think anybody had a right to expect. And then wrote a polite letter saying, you know, in a very polite way, we're really not from the Dominican Republic or Haiti or or Africa. We've been here for, you know, probably 300 years, longer than your family has, so we're really not going anywhere. Why did Lincoln do this? The truth is that he he had been a member of the colonization society 20 years earlier, which was considered a liberal movement in the 1840s. But he had lost interest in it. He didn't even spend the congressional appropriation. Then why bother? Think of the AT reporter. He wants the word out that he is not in favor of an integrated society, that he is going to do something to protect northern laborers from their great um, irrational, but generations long fear that people of color are going to compete for jobs with them and drive them out of the job market. This is marked some of the saddest episodes in American history for over a hundred years. it was Was it sensitive? No, Frederick Douglass was incensed. He wrote that Lincoln sounds like a slave catcher, not a president, that he blamed slaves for the war, when he should blame slavery for the war. But Lincoln wanted word out there in advance, knowing that he was going to do the proclamation, which he didn't tell anybody. That emancipation did not mean that I wasn't thinking about relocating people. If they chose, it was always voluntary. Was it ever possible to move four million people to other places? We would have to have had 5,000 times the number of vessels that the United States had. I mean, it was a totally loopy idea. But he wanted it out there. Doesn't help his reputation. So, Horace Greeley, the editor of the New York Tribune, then writes an editorial demanding that Lincoln emancipate his slaves now. I think Horace Greeley by then had found out that Lincoln wanted to do it and was going to do it. So he wanted to say, you are really slow in doing it so that when he did it, Greeley could say, oh, see, I told you to do it. I give credit for it. Very complex. Well, Greeley writes this editorial, and Lincoln writes back a famous letter, uh, probably the most famous letter to the editor in American history, in which he says, um, if I could save my my paramount object is to save the Union. If I could do it by freeing all of the slaves, I would do it. If I could do it by freeing none of the slaves, I would do it. If I could do it by freeing some and leaving others alone, which is essentially what he's going to do. I would do that. This does not change my personal opinion that I've held over my whole life, that all men everywhere should be free. And then to make sure that really doesn't get his just, what gets his just deserves, Lincoln doesn't even send a letter to really He has it published in another newspaper place to do his this. Scoot. And so, Lincoln has put out this disinformation campaign, as we would call it today, and he told white America on the eve of an election, and white America is voting America, He told white America, well, even if we have emancipation, I have a plan and many African-Americans may resettle, so don't worry. And he's had a plan saying, whatever I do, it's to save the union. It has nothing to do with slavery and law. Sure. He brings his capital together again. Now it's very interesting. The difference between July 22nd and September 22nd in terms of the cabinet meetings. Lincoln doesn't say, I've written the proclamation again and I'd like you to consider it. He says, When General Lee invaded Maryland, I made a pact with my maker that if we prevailed, I would issue an act ending slavery. And that having happened, God has decided in favor of slaves. In other words, don't tell me what you think, but it's between me and God. And that day, the proclamation that New York State owns was published in newspapers around the world. Giving the South 100 days notice. I I often wonder if Lincoln knew that it was exactly 100 days notice to January 1st. He might have delayed it one day to get to 100 days. He was mathematically inclined. um, And he probably counted it down. but the press reaction was exactly as Lincoln feared. He was he was inciting a war. He was inciting slaves to rise up and slaughter their masters. This had been a paranoia concern in the South, or well, maybe not so paranoid. I mean African Americans were a larger number of the population than whites in Mississippi and South Carolina at that time. So white masters were constantly dreading that they would be killed in their sleep by slaves. It wouldn't marveled, that it didn't happen as well, more often. Um, Frederick Douglass greeted the news that there would be freedom in a hundred days with joy, of course, but he regretted the legalistic language as well. Lots of wherefores, thereofs, whereas, none of Lincoln's soaring rhetoric that he had displayed in his first inaugural address. Well, on January 1st, Abraham Lincoln issued the final proclamation. He said in this final proclamation that African-Americans are now encouraged to enlist in the Army and Navy. Talk about a bombshell. That wasn't in the first proclamation. It's the first time in the history of the country that people of color are urged, much less permitted, to join the armed forces of the United States. And of course, mass hysteria in the South. So how is this going to be enforced? Abraham Lincoln has hundreds of thousands of emancipation proclamations printed. Some of them still exist, they're about this big. They went by the, I was going to say by the plain law, but that can't be true. they went, however they went, railroad, uh, uh, horse carriage, to to the troops who were stationed in various places en route to the south, from Tennessee to Virginia to Mississippi, everywhere they went. They handed this, simply handed the documents to households in towns and villages, to people on plantations, and said, your people can come with us. Now, at this point, also, the population of many plantations and towns and villages knew about this, and where they could, they fled as soon as they heard the army was near.
1: So it was a combination
0: of the the legal backing of this document, the energy and bravery of enslaved people, and the force of history. So on January 1st, the day he was assigned to the Final Proclamation, and there were numbers of people in this country who believed he would do it, he unrolled it on the scroll before him and decided to proofread it with great care, knowing how important it was. And it was perfect down to the last sentence when he saw an error. It was not a topographical article, it was written by a professional penmanship specialist. And Lincoln said, I don't want to sign it this way. It's got to be perfect. Do it again. Wake up the guy. I know it's New Year's Day, he must have had a tough night, but wake him up. He's got to do it again. And meanwhile, he went downstairs in the White House to his own reception and shook the hands of hundreds of dignitaries who had gathered there. And then, after the dignitaries had left, thousands of ordinary Americans just pour into the White House and attend the ceremony and shake hands. So he greeted all of them. Then he gets back to his officer and he picks up his pen and then he puts his pen down. And then he picks up the pen again and then he puts it down. And one of those three people in the room think, by George, he's not going to do it after all. And so finally Lincoln looks up and says, I've been shaking hands for six hours and my hand is trembling. If I sign this document now and my whole heart is in it, people will look at the shaky signature in a 100 years and say he hesitated. And sat there massaging his hands with the <laughs> other hand for a good 15 minutes and finally picked up the pen and wrote Abraham Lincoln and looked and said, there, that will do. Now people are at black churches and abolitionist churches throughout New York and New England thinking that this was going to happen at midnight. They started gathering at midnight, and they're singing hymns, and they're praying, and they're waiting. 9 a.m., they're singing hymns, and it's like the third round, right? And no words. And they begin sending people to the telegraph offices, saying, what's happening? Where is the word? It's now 11 o'clock. It's 12 o'clock. It's 1 o'clock. Maybe he's not going to do it. We're all here in church. Let's sing those songs for the 40th time. They must have been going crazy, right? This is a fanciful scene, but an interesting one. Uh, something called the Midnight Hour, uh, the moment when, when Emancipation allegedly would become uh, the force of, would gain the force of law, and Union soldiers spread the word to people living in slave cabins that they were free. This is a little bit fanciful. It didn't all happen, obviously, on January 1st or December 31st, certainly. But it's a reminder that the Union troops had a hand in spreading the word about freedom. Maybe this is reflecting Lincoln's reliance on heavenly power, because he's getting the proclamation really from the hand of God. It's equivalent to the Bible. And this is a Black Church, would and here is a print made for African American audience. Uh, an angel of color delivers the text of the proclamation to Lincoln. And there's a poem up there. Probably you can't read it, but it actually instructs African American audiences to collect these images and decorate their homes. This is a a printing of the proclamation done in 1864 and sold in Philadelphia uh, at a charity fair for $50. The last one was sold uh, for $2.3 million. And um, there are 10 of them unaccounted for, so who knows? They may yet turn up. This is a copy that President Obama has in the Oval Office, by the way. And of course, with emancipation in January came recruitment, as I mentioned. And this amazing recruiting poster, uh, on the back of it, it is a specific call to troops, uh, suggests in, you know, it may look embarrassing to us today, but the message here is you will be lifted from slavery through military service, you will have equal opportunity for education. And what better proof of that is there then what happened famously and has immortalized in another movie, Glory, that you may all have seen, uh, and that is the uh, attack on Battery Wagner in July 1863 by the 54th Massachusetts U.S. Colored Infantry, um, who suffered enormous casualties along with their white colonel who you see dying at the parapet there. Um, they, would, they volunteered to be the first unit to march against this impregnable earthwork not far from where the war had begun at Fort Sumter. And so the war had changed and society had changed. As Lincoln said, in giving freedom to the slave, we give freedom to the free, honorable alike in what we do and what we preserve. It was a liberating moment for white people as well, finally to have the first executive order that liberated them from the injustices and hypocrisy of the original American experiment.